This is Spilling Royal Tea with Sean Mandel and Craig Robert Young. I think it's really unique because Meghan Markle is an established actress. She's kind of had her own thing going on and she's marrying the young, hot, eligible uh, Prince Harry. And also she's, um, I guess she's biracial. She's half African-American. So, you know, get a sister up in that palace, get some, you know, some melanin up in there. (laughs) Meghan Markle is going to change how the royal family views race. At least that's what famed royal biographer Andrew Morton tells us. We have a piping hot exclusive interview with the author who became famous for his groundbreaking book, Diana, Her True Story, and who now has a new book on our favorite soon-to-be Mrs. Prince Harry, entitled Meghan, A Hollywood Princess. And while Meghan's biracial background marks an exciting historical shift, it also raises many questions like, would Meghan herself identify as a quote-unquote black princess? Representation is incredibly important both in Hollywood and at Buckingham Palace. But will Meghan's presence alone precipitate change? And is it fair to expect Meghan to shoulder the conversation on race in the oldest and whitest institution? All this and more on this week's episode of Spilling Royalty. This is Spilling Royalty a podcast that follows the piping hot engagement of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, from the annals of British history to the wedding chapel at Windsor Castle. The show is half British and half American, just like the historic marriage of Meghan and Harry. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and TMZ's unofficial royal correspondent. And I'm Craig Robert Young, a British-born thespian working in Hollywood, but with a childhood thoroughly steeped in the Crown's culture. In each episode, we will spill the tea. That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about Meghan and Harry, tea will be served with some English history and cultural translations from across the pond that you can't go without. So, without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. In this episode of Spilling Royal Tea, we are going to examine the royal family's past, present, and future when it comes to the subject of race. That's right. We'll take a look at how the royal family perceived race in the past, whether there has already been a black queen of England, and how royals in recent years have viewed race. We'll also examine Meghan Markle's experience of growing up biracial, and we'll even hear from Meghan herself. Okay, well, we'll hear her words anyway. Uh, She wrote a powerful essay back in 2015 on the subject, which will certainly shed some light on how Meghan views her own identity. Then we'll turn to royal expert Andrew Morton to get his take on what Meghan marrying Harry means for the monarchy and its future. TMZ's Van Lathan will also join us this week to discuss what impact, if any, uh, Markle might have on our evolving conversations about race. And finally, for our Something Blue segment, we take to the streets of New York City to hear what the commoners think about Meghan and if her race matters as much as the headlines imply. I can't wait to hear what they have to say. There's one something old. Okay, so let's get started with a big question that emerged after Meghan and Harry got engaged. Everyone at the time was saying she's going to be the first black member of the royal family. But some historians are saying not so fast. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. There were a lot of articles published after the engagement talking about a royal bride from the 18th century, Queen Charlotte. Yeah. Some historians suspect that Queen Charlotte, the wife of King George III, was of African descent. And just so everyone is clear, this is the same King George who famously lost the American colonies. Oh, from Hamilton, the musical Hamilton. Mm -hmm. I love that. I could do the whole number. (laughs) I bet you can. I can, actually. (laughs) Okay, but all jokes aside, historians argue that Queen Charlotte descended 
from a black branch of the Portuguese royal family. So also interestingly, um, the city of Charlottesville was named after Queen Charlotte, um, which is interesting because Charlottesville was the site of those white supremacist marches last year um, that ended up uh, in that tragic death. Um, But anyway, this is all very 18th century. So let's bring it into the now. What about Mm -hmm. um, the royal family that our dear Meghan is marrying into in just under a month? Yeah, well, uh, while England does have a problematic colonial past, many royal biographers, including our guest today, Andrew Morton, claim that Queen Elizabeth doesn't have a racist bone in her body, which I I, I tend to think that too. And we already mentioned that Queen Elizabeth, you know, was dancing with the president of Ghana on a previous episode. Check it out. Canada just be political. And, uh, you know, that was a big deal in 1961 because he was black. But not all members of the House of Windsor have been so progressive. Elizabeth's own husband, Prince Philip, has a history of suspect behavior and comments on race. Uh, For instance, when he met with the president of Nigeria in 2003, who was dressed in traditional robes, Prince Philip said, you look like you're ready for bed. Kind of lacking in basic cultural awareness there. (laughs) He had another uh, major gaffe when he asked the British politician, Lord Taylor, and what exotic part of the world do you come from? And Lord Taylor, who happens to be of Jamaican ancestry, responded, Birmingham. And that's how they talk in Birmingham, by the way, because it's the middle of the country. That's good to know, because I would not know. And, <laughs> not Birmingham, uh, Alabama, Birmingham, England. <laughs> right. And for our American listeners, Birmingham is the word that we just said. <laughs> okay, so, um, of course, the British Empire, spearheaded and represented by the monarchy, doesn't have the best reputation on the subject of race. Um, subjugating millions of people in Africa and India. That doesn't help. No, it doesn't. And David A. Love, who was a writer for the African-American news site, The Gree, put it this way. Britain's national wealth and the riches of the royal family were built off the backs of slaves, making the Industrial Revolution possible. And it's important to look back uh, that even in uh, 1833, when uh, Britain abolished slavery, the government compensated former slave owners for their economic loss in what is uh, deemed to be the modern equivalent of 23 billion US dollars. But they did not pay one penny to any of the emancipated slaves. Uh, So in the words of David Love, that same writer, these debts are not wiped out simply because Meghan Markle is wearing a crown. Then be fighting words. First two, something new. So, Sean, a couple of days ago, it was the Queen's 92nd birthday. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, Harry and Meghan were there. And apparently, uh, my friend was on the front row and he got lots of Instagram footage, which was kind of fun. Oh, that's fun. And they got a round of applause when they came in. Harry and, and Meghan. Yeah, Harry and Meghan. And so, you know, the British pub- public tend to, you know, are really supporting this, which is great. Yeah. Um, but one of the funny things was that, um, was the lineup of people that were performing. They're always a bit strange, aren't I they? I mean, Luke Evans, right, who we know as an actor, right. um, is, an, is a marvelous singer. Oh. And so he was there and Tom Jones was there. Sting performed. And then get this. Shaggy performed. Hasn't he performed before at things? For the Queen? Yeah, for the Queen. I don't know, but I just, I don't, I didn't get to see the show or, or, uh, hear any reports, but there's just that one song that he talks about doing it in the shower oh, and on the right. kitchen counter. Well, and, I think pop know, stars and, tend to, you know, tend to revise. I just wonder, like, set list. what sort of hand the Queen has in going, really? You chose these people for my, you know, I'm sure she would prefer a string quartet or something. Maybe she has that when she goes back home to, <laughs> 
Buckingham Palace, you know, something a little bit tamer. Maybe she'll put on some Frank Sinatra or something. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like to see that. Something from her era. But moving on from the royal family itself, let's let's get back to looking at Meghan's own history uh, with race, you know, yeah. her genealogical background and also how, um, you know, she's experienced racism. Yes. Uh, as Andrew Morton points out uh, in his new book, Megan's mother, uh, Doria Ragland, is uh, an African-American with roots uh, that can be traced back six generations to the 1830s, actually in Jonesboro, North Carolina. Uh, Megan's great, 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 great grandfather was a man named uh, Richard Ragland. He was a slave owned by uh, the Methodist man William Ragland. Beyond that, in terms of, um, you know, her mother's side of the family, it's difficult to trace her ancestry because such poor records were kept of right. slave families. Um, however, so this is kind of interesting um, and important for Megan herself. Richard Ragland's son, Stephen, um, according to sort of like family lore, uh, when he was emancipated in 1865, he renamed himself Stephen Wisdom because oh. Ragland was, the, you know, they took the, the name of the family that they were originally yeah, um, owned by. Owned by. Yeah. And Megan says that, you know, we should all in this article that she writes she writes about that we should all be so imaginative and think outside traditional boxes in terms of how we identify or you know how yeah, we view ourselves cool. yeah. i like the name wisdom as well it's, it's a of, great name yeah it's awesome um but on her father's side megan can trace her ancestry back over 800 years wow to one of the most beloved scottish kings she's Robert. royalty she's got royal blood blue blood she is a blue blood and now i can take it all back uh, Robert the Bruce. <laughs> Robert the Bruce. She is also a 24th generation descendant of England's medieval king, Edward III. So, you know, Meghan has the blood of former slaves and kings running through her. Amazing. Um and so, you know, this point, um, which many historians and scientists and genealogists will point out, is kind of made by Megan that we're a lot more related and interconnected than we may think. Yeah. There are no neat and tidy lines around race. No. Um, and Linda Hogan, uh, she's a Native American writer, says, you are the result of the love of thousands, which is just That's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. It's very poetic. Very poetic. And from an early age, Megan had to personally grapple with her mixed race heritage. She says that her school had black, white, Filipino, and Latino cliques. But are you trying to say cliques? No, cliques. Is that how they say it in the UK? <laughs> yes, it's very proper. <laughs> cliques. Okay. <laughs> I'll say it like you. Cliques. I'm not. Oh, you make it sound like I'm from Oklahoma. Cliques. <laughs> cliques. I don't know. Mm -mm. No. All right. I'll move on that one. Um, but back to the subject in hand. Uh, she said that, uh, that being biracial, she didn't feel like she belonged to any cliques. So Megan just busied herself with clubs and meetings during the lunch hour so she, you know, she wouldn't have to eat alone. Yeah. It must be hard, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard on any any kid when you sort of feel, when you're made to feel other than, yeah. you know. Or feeling you don't like, feel like you belong. Yeah, I mean, you sort of like look around you and say, like, where do I fit in? Yeah. You know, and she kind of didn't see herself in other people. So that was, you know, pretty hard. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, Megan um, has talked about that experience uh, in, in her writing. And she recalls, actually, um, she was in seventh grade and she was uh, forced to fill out like a census form in her English class. You know, and they want to know all kinds of like biographical information about mm. you. And her teacher told her to mark Caucasian box because... Because she said that's what Megan looked like. But she said that it would have broken her heart not to acknowledge her African-American mother. Mm -hmm. So Megan refused to check any box. And I think that really, you know, that really seems to have set a precedent for how Megan speaks about and views her race today. In 2015, Megan wrote a beautiful article for Elle magazine. 
in that she writes that when people ask her the question, you know, what are you, which is, you know, kind of a horrible and offensive yeah. question to get. Um, she says, I'm an actress, a writer, uh, the editor-in-chief of my lifestyle brand, The Tig, a pretty good cook, and a firm <laughs> and a firm believer in handwritten notes, which I particularly love. But of course, that's not the answer that people are really looking for when they ask that question. You know, I, as an actor, we go into, mm. uh, we, si we have these sign-in sheets when we right. go to auditions. And it says, you know, name, agent, role that you're going for age and ethnicity oh really it says so ethnicity the, and the ethnicity you don't you can't write in what your ethnicity is oh it has it's to that you have to check a box like caucasian um uh, african-american latino um or other other i mean what is other yeah it's so stupid you know leave I'm, it leave a space for us to write what we identify with yeah you know speaking of this question of identity and race, um, I think it'll be really interesting to have the contribution of Andrew Morton, you know, for this conversation. Yeah. So I spoke with Andrew last week about his experience looking into Meghan Markle's history and uh, this historic wedding that's coming up, uh, and he gave some really some really great insight. Um, and of course, you know, Andrew, as we mentioned before, is famous because he wrote the book Diana: Her oh, True Story. story. Um, which was really groundbreaking in the time when it came out because it, it it so laid bare what Diana was really going through at the time in terms of bulimia and all the allegations or the cheating that was going on between Charles and Camilla. So Andrew is now taking on a new future member of the royal family. And he's really done his research, hasn't he? He's he really re done some digging. Yeah, he really has. Um, so um, without further ado, let's let's play that interview. Andrew Morton, uh, author of Megan, A Hollywood Princess. Uh, welcome to Spilling Royal Tea. Thanks for inviting me. I've got my tea ready. <laughs> ready to spill it, right? Nice and scalding. Yeah, scalding hot. Exactly. So Fresh and brewed. <laughs> precisely. Um, congratulations on um, this great book. I think it really, it, it was so much fun to read and to go through, and you give a really good portrait of you know, Megan's background and like where she kind of is at and her sort of point of view on things. And one thing I'm curious about, given your uh, immense knowledge of the royal family, um, you know, working um, with Diana and just uh, studying uh, the royal family for as long as you have, what is your feeling about, you know, race and the, and the royal family? Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, the, the royal family have not been top of the list for racial integration. I mean, there's only 6% of the um, of the workforce inside the palaces are from ethnic backgrounds. Kind of amused me that when the engagement was announced um, in November last year, audiences in Britain and in um, America were watching that film, Victoria and Abdul. Do you remember the Indian servant who became a great friend of Queen Victoria? Well, hated by the by the downstairs staff, hated by the upstairs staff, loathed, of course, by the royal family. And as soon as Queen Victoria died, Abdul and his family were quickly deported back to India. Mm. Uh, her, the Queen's letters to him were were uh, burnt by his by his daughter, and um, Edward the Seventh, the heir, personally supervised throwing him out of the country. So racism went pretty deep inside the royal family. Bringing it all up to date, obviously the Queen is currently chairing the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, and as various authors and people who've known her over the years say, the Queen doesn't have a racist bone in her body. My argument has always been that the monarchy represents the nation 
and Britain is a multicultural nation. So it is a great opportunity now with Meghan, a biracial African-American Caucasian girl who has written long and eloquently about her struggles with being biracial. It's, uh, she kind of stands as a mute ad admonishment, uh, if you will, to the, to the royal families, to the royal establishment. She's not going to start um, putting her foot down and kicking shins the moment she becomes a duchess, but just her very presence as someone of a different racial background to the white middle-class characters who inhabit Buckingham and uh, Kensington Palace will be a world, a refreshing world of difference. Yeah, I can imagine that. And I imagine also that will continue to grow that in subtle ways, you know, her presence and the, any children that she and Harry have, their presence as well, will start yeah. to influence and change attitudes in ways that, you know, couldn't have happened if there had not been, you know, members of the family who, you know, um, were from mixed race backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I'm waiting for the, the next move forwards will be a, a member of the royal family in, in a same-sex marriage. So then we've got the full house. I'm curious about that. You know, I'm I'm gay, and I I do wonder about that. You know, what the you know what the chances are that we might see that. You know, in, in this generation, this lifetime. Well, the, the, there are same-sex uh, marriages inside the palace, but of staff, not not of members of the royal family, but. You know, I'm always minded of the fact that the royal family is a symbolic centre mm. and the fact that Meghan exists simply as a symbol of, of our multicultural heritage is good enough, really. You, you don't have to do all the, uh, to get involved in all the quotidian details. You just have to be. Now, I, I was curious, you know, there was a step that happened um, around Christmas time um, when Princess Michael of Kent, you know, wore um, that Blackamoor brooch. Um, yeah. You heard anything in terms of whether she has been invited um, to uh, to the wedding, or whether there were any personal overtures? You know, she made directly to Meghan. Well, yeah, I mean, she, she lives at literally less than a stone's throw away from Meghan in uh, Kensington Palace, and she she made a very abject apology to her and to to Harry, and she kind of said that I'm, I, you know I'm not racist. I mean, unfortunately, she she had, she does have previous. Um, she was involved in a bust-up uh, at a restaurant in uh, New York a few years back with a table of African-Americans. And she's written about the fact that when she was a lot younger, she rode around South Africa on a bus, kind of blacked up. She'd done up all her face so that she, she could have the, the, the Af African experience. Um, and, of course, her father was a member, of the, a member of the Nazi party, so there's a lot of shade goes down on her. You know, obviously, this is not the first time we've seen a divorcee now, you know, marry into the royal family. Um, but this is certainly, I think, the it seems to me to be the most normal it has been. You know, like that the, her being a divorcee has not been a huge issue. Um, <laughs> well, 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 what's funny, there's so many things. You know, she's American. She's a divorcee. She's biracial. She's an actress. I mean, all these things at some point would have counted very much counted against her let's just take the act, acting business she's been involved in all kinds of raunchy scenes in various in not just suits but in various movies um and yet years ago when prince andrew was dating another american actress ku stark the fact that she was in a very tepid uh, rite of passage film called emily which involved some brief nudity she was called like a porn actress which is just total hysterical nonsense and yet you know megan's uh, been in all kinds of raunchy scenes uh, which you can just see on the internet 
any day of the week. Um, and yes, in answer to your question, divorce now is commonplace inside the royal family. Three of the Queen's children have divorced, her sister, Princess Margaret divorced, Prince Charles and Camilla, both divorcees. Prince Charles married his mistress and, and there was a, a blessing took place in St George's Chapel 2005 April, just after the, the, they married in a civil ceremony. So yeah, it's, it is now accepted and it does show you, you know, in kind of cultural terms, a waning influence of the Church of England and the acceptance of divorce uh, in the highest, uh, the highest realms of the, of the land. First, free something borrowed. Okay, so, you know, now let's talk to uh, one of our guests today, uh, Van Lathan, host of the Red Pill podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about how race and the royal family uh, intersect. Van, thank you mm-hmm. so much for joining thank us. Yeah, welcome. You. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's been a lot of conversations about what Megan's impact, if any, mm-hmm. will be on the royal family. There was one article um, written by a woman named Elaine Musiwa. She's a Zimbabwean writer in New York. Hmm. uh, And she wrote for Vogue an article called The Problem with Calling Meghan Markle the First Black Princess. Hmm. And she says, Meghan Markle is the type of black that the majority of right-leaning white America wishes we all could be, if there were to be blackness at all. Hmm. Um, So for this woman, Meghan Markle's not black enough. Right. Right. So I guess I'm curious, like, what do you think of the idea that, like, Megan can't represent, you know, black women because, you know, this idea, like, she's not black enough or mm. she's too, like, whitewashed or Hollywoodized, right. you know? Uh, uh, Megan you- Markle doesn't have a choice in that. Megan Markle does represent black people. And the reason why that is is because conventionally black people that are, uh, and this is not black Americans, this is black people around the world, wherever they exist, the group has been marginalized to the degree that anyone who's ascended or transcended wherever it is they've come from, has been used as a benchmark for everyone else. Um, There were people that said that Barack Obama wasn't black enough. Um, There were people that said that because Barack Obama actually didn't have ancestors that were slaves. Right, that was a big deal. uh, That it it somehow made him less valid uh, or his experience uh, was less, um, I guess, authentic. And it doesn't work that way. Right. And what we really wish for society and, you know, whether it's Meghan Markle or Barack Obama is that we get to a point to where everyone's experiences will be articulated by them and they can be judged on on who they are. But until we get there and feel like we're moving in the right direction, Meghan Markle is going to be a lot of little girls sort of. You know, it's gonna be a big deal. They're gonna yeah. look up to her as a, as a something different that we've never seen before. Right. It's like all women in general that were looking up to Hillary Clinton to sure. be the first female president. This is a benchmark, as you say. Yeah, and it doesn't. It, it, this is you know, Meghan Markle fell in love with the right guy, right? And she was, uh, I guess, whatever it was. You know, Harry's a love that guy. Um, <laughs> same, do. same, same. Yeah, love that guy. So it, it's not like she's accomplished something, in my opinion at least, that you know equates to being the first black president or anything like that. Even still, though, there's going to be multicultural influences in Buckingham Palace, in Kensington Palace. That weren't there before. That weren't there before. Yeah. That in and of itself, beyond whatever else she might think or not think, signifies progress. It signifies the crossing of some sort of line, whether it's real or imaginary. It signifies the growth of a society 
uh, to be a little bit different than it was before. Right. So what's wrong with that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, another question that some many people have been has, asking mm-hmm. is whether Meghan will be outspoken mm-hmm. uh, about race and whether you know she could make an impact. Uh, Andrew Morton said uh, that her mere existence in the royal family is a huge symbolic feat. Mm-hmm. And there was an article in Washington Post, you know, that um, being a person of color at the top of the social ladder won't be enough if the country is already steeped in racism. Kind of the idea, like we were talking about with Barack Obama, you yeah. know, it's like this article points out that there was all this much talk about, like, oh, it's going to be the post-racial era because we have, you know, Obama as president in the White House, right? right. And then now we have like a resurgence of like racial tension, you know, or like racial tensions being exposed, maybe sure. in a way that you know they just weren't before. So, can it really make a difference having that well, presence? Well, listen, there's no doubt about the fact that Barack Obama made a difference, and I. The way that Barack Obama made a difference was, I'll never forget this, it's like 2008 or 2009, it's like, he might have still been president-elect, but we do a mentorship program. Remember, we did the mentorship program, and you do a mentorship program with young kids, right? And you ask them what they want to be, and they invariably look to the people that they that they see on television, right? right? That they look like you know that they right. can identify with. Is, I don't want to be LeBron James. They want to be Lil Wayne. And you try to Kim Kardashian. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you try to instill like <laughs> you try to uh, build new heroes for them, right? And you try to say, "Yo, this guy plays a violin, or this guy's a scientist, or something like that." I remember being like at a basketball game and I'm coaching, and a kid comes up to me and he goes, uh, "Yo, what if I want to be the president?" And I was like, huh? He's like, if I wanted to be the president, like, how would I go about being the president? And I was like, yo, it's really hard. Are you sure? (laughs) And he goes, you know what? I think I want to be the president. And I'll never forget that. And the reason why is because you could tell a kid or anyone all day long what they could be. If they see it, it's a lot easier. So he saw it and he goes, oh, that guy's the president. I think I can do it too. What does it take? So visually... Symbols matter. Now, in terms of what Meghan Markle actually does to promote diversity or whatever when she officially becomes part of the royal family, right. I, well, I would ask, what has she been doing already? If Meghan Markle's life ministry hasn't been that before, I don't know how much we should pressure her for it to be that now. That ties directly, actually, into another question I wanted to ask you, uh-huh. which is, like, is it unfair to put like a burden or like a mantle, this mantle like Pressure. on a make yeah on a Megan's shoulders because you know she's spoken about her experience being biracial mm-hmm. and like a- and definitely has used her position I think to make awareness mm-hmm. but maybe not like in the same level of activism that she has about like women's issues or something like that but like is it unfair of of us or anyone to sort of put that burden on her of having to be this like activist in Kensington Palace yeah so part of the black experience is my experience is dealing with a little bit of unfairness, but it's also sort I mean, so it's not like it, it's going to be anything that she, that anybody's going to be like, oh my God. But like, I think that for her, the most important thing that Meghan Markle can do or any African-American black person that goes anywhere can do is be true to yourself. Be true to the ideas and the morals that, that propelled you and got you to the spot that you are. She's not going to be able to fix racism in the UK. Right. These issues have to be we have to all hold hands, you know what I mean, in order to kind of get over these things. And everyone has to take responsibility for different aspects of this. What I do think is if someone wants her to transform into an activist for a specific issue, the moment she gets there, I think that's asking too much. I think that's unfair, man. Like she's yeah. in love with a dude. The dude happens to be a prince. He loved her back 
Good for her. That's a score, baby. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? She beat so, me. So <laughs> still not so, happy about it. So anything else? If she sees problems, you know, if if maybe if people appeal to her uh, and want her to use her platform in a way that makes their lives a little bit easier, or uh, that you know sort of calls attention to problems that might be systemic overseas that maybe she can help with, great. But mm-hmm. don't expect. It just pump the brakes. Yeah. She doesn't married. have to move any mountains yeah, right now. You it's, know? Just pump, it's enough. Yeah. And I think that articles like that are really unfair. And I, I know what the sister was trying to do. I know what they were trying to do. But come on, man. Like, if Meghan Markle walks into a place anywhere here in America, she walks in there as a black woman. She doesn't have to be black enough for anybody. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Van, thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate this. Craig, Thanks. Yeah. Friday, man. Well, he got the handshake down, too. Ooh. I like this guy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Peace. Verse 4 Something Blue. Okay, so this week we got to do something really fun. Obviously, um, you know, Sean, that I was in New York City. Yeah. And I got together with Maggie, our producer. Yes, Maggie Van Dorn. Who's based in New York, and we went to Chelsea, and we decided that we'd do some man-on-the-street interviews. I love it. Find out what people thought about the upcoming wedding, and what they thought of Megan, and... You know, whether they thought that uh, race might be an issue. You mingled with the commoners and got their take on this very important issue. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm just leaving that one alone. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so what what was it like? What, what happened? What went down? Well, you know, we, uh, we actually really thought that if we were going to be talking about this issue of racial diversity represented in the royal family, it was important to see what an equally diverse section of New Yorkers uh, were thinking about this. So we had people of different ages, different colors, different sexuality. Uh, so it was, it was really fun to kind of listen to uh, people's takes. So uh, let's play it. Do you know who Meghan Markle is? No. <laughs> no? No. Uh, do you know who Prince Harry is? Yes, I do. Oh, no, yeah, 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 of course. Oh, okay, her fiancé, yes. Yeah. Mm? yeah, I just know she yeah, married into the royal family. We hadn't heard of her before, no, but she's very pretty and she's nice. <laughs> she seems nice anyway. She's now Prince Harry's, are they married, fiancé, something? Fiancé, yeah, they're going to get married on May 19th. I can't wait. It's on my calendar, circled. She's beautiful. And extremely lucky <laughs> and um, very stylish. She's already started going around the country with Prince Harry, um, looking at different charities, different projects, um, and she wants to get to know more about our country, so I think that's fantastic. I think it's really unique because Meghan Markle is an established actress. She's kind of had her own thing going on, and she's marrying the young, hot, eligible uh, Prince Harry. And also she's, um, I guess she's biracial. She's half African-American. So, you know, get a sister up in that palace, get some, you know, some melanin up in there. Some, you know. That's real, real, yes. Progression, change. I think it's right and necessary, and uh, more of that needs to happen. Different to what we've already got, so maybe a new perspective on things. Um, I think Prince William and Catherine, right? Uh, they got married. It was like, oh, cool, that's happening. But I think it's piqued our interest a little bit more because I guess she is American, right? But also uh, the African-American community is a little more interested because she does look like us, you know? <laughs> Time's changing, adapt. <laughs> I'm not inspired by it. I mean, I don't have any inclination to be a princess. I don't necessarily feel that she represents me. I think that it's cool, you know. Does she 
need to be a voice for all biracial American women. Uh, not necessarily, but will she be that voice de facto? Absolutely. Yeah. What would you guys say if I told you that Meghan was actually royal blood? Really? Like, from descendants past? No, really? That, that's, the, that's, the, that's trackable. Wow, I think that's interesting. Now I'm like, let me track, am I royal? <laughs> okay, so first of all, I can't believe New Yorkers had the audacity to who Meghan Markle. She <laughs> is a solid them now. Okay? I know. I think a lot of them were confused with the last name and maybe my accent, you know. Oh, maybe but, that but was they're it. Like, oh, yeah. You, you heard it. They were like, yeah, we, oh, yeah, we know who that right. is. Yeah, now we get it. Right. I mean, I'm still like offended for her, but like, I get it. <laughs> it's interesting, one, that people immediately or like very quickly off the bat, you know, know that she's biracial and like know that about her because I think that that's, you know, that's kind of what Van was pointing out before, right? It's like yeah. the fact that she is just by existing, like she looks the way she looks and that that will mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think that what was interesting was that most people weren't bothered by it or at all and didn't think that it was, uh, you know, going to make a spot of difference. Right. You know? But I love what that one woman said, too. It's like whether, you know, like she was saying being a princess is not something like she aspired to be. Yeah, right. She doesn't represent her. Yeah. Right. But like she said that Meghan Markle, like regardless, is going to have this role. She will be an inspiration without even trying. She will be a symbol, you know, and I think that that's something that is sort of a consensus. It's what Andrew Morton was saying. It's what Van, you know, was saying. And I think it's just and, you know, it's what people on the street are really saying is that like simply by her being there, like that symbol does actually mean change. I think one of the things that came out most was progression was a word that most a lot of people used about the royal family Mm. and, you know, how that how that will affect the royal family. And well, it's moving them into a modern era and you know we shouldn't have to be having these conversations about race anymore and you know which is great uh yeah it was it was uh it was really cool well this quite a deep dive we had this week um on uh this extraordinary woman and the future her royal highness megan markle yep but next week we're talking about the mischievous fun-loving and tender-hearted prince harry i can't wait so yes tune in next week as we speak with katie nickel the author of harry life loss and love cheerio beep beep well the tea has been spilled and it's been rather hot i'm sean mandel and i'm craig robert young and thank you for joining us on spilling royal tea the podcast spilling royal tea is a collaboration between tmz and spoke use spoke to find your next favorite podcast learn more at hearspoke.com maggie van dawn is our executive producer and you can subscribe to spilling royal tea on apple podcasts For more coverage of the Royal Wedding, visit TMZ.com. My name's Fiona. I'm Suzanne. Sean. Stacey. Sarah. I'm Jonathan. Brandon. I'm Kay. Patricia. Abigail. Vivian. My name's Barbara. I am Onika Raymond. And Delon Grant. 